0: Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. Man, I'm ready. I've had like enough break. I am ready to go. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. All you kids, stand to your feet as well. Come on, we're going to stand together. And we're actually going to do something very unique. I want to encourage you to memorize the Beatitudes with us. We're starting the series, as Pastor Ed said, out of the silence. And so Matthew chapter five, we're going to go from verse one through verse 12. We're not going to read that today. We're only going to work on verse one today. So we're going to go through it together. Matthew chapter five, verse one, please read with me if you will. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Come on, one more time. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Let's pray. Lord, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, these are the moments that you own, that you take the living, breathing word of God. And Lord, you mark it on our hearts. And so we open our hearts to you. Lord, may we forever be changed by the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we're, we're going to talk about this, this time period because I'm going back and, and I'm bringing you with me. We're going back to seminary. I've got my whiteboard. I, got to, I used the whiteboard last week when I preached and, and, and I, I just kind of liked it so much I wanted to bring it back out again. So just stay with me. All you kids, you've been out of school long enough. We're going back to school today. It's going to be great. Uh, But we're going to talk about this period, and we're going to talk about some dates and some things that happened in the life of God's people and the the history of God's people and how that parallels to where we are today. And so the first date that we're going to start is, is this right here. And this right here, this mark over here, this is gonna be Matthew chapter five. This is where we're picking up. So this is, this is 31 to 33 years, some, somewhere around there. Now this, this, part, this mark right here, this is, uh, I believe this is 408, is 408 BC that we have for our date for the book of Malachi, the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the Old Testament, not the last book of the Bible, but the last chapter of the Old Testament, the old covenant, covenant made with Abraham. So God's people have had two covenants from him. God's had two main covenants from his heart to man's heart, one with Abraham and one with Jesus. Jesus. The Old Covenant, the New Covenant. And so we have this date right here, but this marked the end of the the recorded inspired writings of the prophets that we have from the Old Covenant. And so you have this, this time period of 400 years where it is looked at in a lot of ways as a period of silence, we have the book of Malachi. Malachi 4 ends, and then there is this silence with plenty happening, and then picks up. In seminary, they told us it was, it was like a ski jump. That's why I, I drew it like this. It was like you had, you had the Torah and, and, the, and the Psalms and, and the prophets, and it was, it was this whoosh into God, where are you God, what are you doing? And then this stamp of Jesus, the birth of our Lord. And we go from BC to AD. And so within this, I I wanna pick out a couple of things because I want us to put ourselves, do I need to angle this a little bit? Are y'all good over there? You're good, okay. Uh, I want us to put ourselves in the place of God's people and how that they were looking at this time. Because for years they were able to look back and say, we had leaders that were hearing from God. We had these prophets that heard from God. We had kings that had hearts for God or hearts away from God, but we had these markers. And then we got to this period where the markers left. So over here, let's go, I think it's 6.05, and this is Babylonian empire time. And so this is the destruction of Solomon's temple. This is the the this grieving point for for God's people where they are are taken from Israel they're taken from their homeland and they are they are brought as captives to Babylon and the surrounding areas. This is where we have the book of Daniel and there's an amazing thing that happens in here. So sometime around Uh, I don't know. Somewhere in here, we have Daniel who prophesies, and this is homework you can look at later, prophesies in Daniel 9. And he he gives this prophecy about 70 sets of sevens. And it's this word that projects 490 years. And the marker for it is the command to rebuild the temple. And that happens in Nehemiah. And it's just, you know, one of those weird coincidental things that happens. Uh, the king of Persia tells Nehemiah that he can return and he can rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And then it just so happens. So let's put, I think that's around here. Let me make sure I'm getting my dates right. Yeah, 504 is, this is, is Queen Esther. And, and we move into this, the Persian Empire. And somewhere around there, th- there is this uh, marker. So Nehemiah's over here somewhere. This marker of Nehemiah getting this call and this burden to go back to Jerusalem. And what happens? 490, so we're gonna do this. 490 years later, there is this intersection of dates with the prophetic word that is met at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, just one of those coincidental things that just somehow happened exactly 490 years after. So you have all of these things that are happening, that just just amazing things. But God's people are in this place; they're taken from their homeland. And all of this time marks this trickling back to Israel. All of this time is this trickling back Queen Esther, we know the story of Queen Esther and, and, and Haman and, or Haman, however you, you say it, however, it depends on what church you're brought in. Sometimes it's Haman, sometimes it's Haman, the bad guy that's going after Queen Esther and the Jewish people, God raises her up. And so that happens in 504. And, and, and it's not long after that, that the book of Malachi, the temple is being rebuilt, and Ezra and Nehemiah, are there rebuilding Jerusalem, following God's call, God's plan over their lives. And then Malachi, the book of Malachi is written, and then we have this period here that we're gonna talk about today. This period of 400 years. Now 400 years is a long time. It's a very long time. The first thing I want to remind you that in this silence and in this time where people are saying, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, I know that there's a Messiah. I know you've promised that you will come. Where are you? What's happening? We don't see things as we think that they should be. In this time of waiting, I want you to know that while the world is waiting, God is still working. God is still working and what is silence to some is not silence to God's people, who are seeking him. And we know that even in this time, I look at this time, if if the, the period of quarantine and, and, and the COVID place that we're in right now and, and how we're adjusting to this, if it represents anything to God's people, it should represent the truth that the presence of God is not held on Sunday mornings in a building, it is to go and be with his people at all times. And that's for you, that's for me. And I just wonder if the Lord said, I want to remind my people about that. I want to remind my people that the foundation of what it is to walk with me is not defined by coming together and being in here. That's a wonderful part of it. But the foundation of it is my heart poured out before him. That I would know myself as someone that's open and, and bare before him where I can't pretend. Now, it's easy because I come in here and I, I put on my best. I even I wore my, one of my favorite shirts today and I'm doing my best. I gave my kids a dirty look when they started were running around. and I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to look right. And we do that. But it's vital that the foundation of who we are and how we walk with God, that we know ourselves as people who are not pretending. That when I'm before him, I am, I am open. And I'm saying, Lord, I want you to go to every part of my heart. Every part. You see, in silence, things happen that, that, that if we do not live in that foundational place, silence can bring fear, Silence can bring anxiety. Silence can bring confusion. And we see this with God's people. You see, in the midst of this, God's people morphed into two expressions. And you see Jesus rebuke both of them in the Gospels. We have the Pharisees who took God's word and added to it, who said, hey, that that looks nice, but I'm just going to make it a little more because... I I just, I need to know that I can make my way to be more pleasing to God than those around me. And this seed of pride is expressed in what we see with the Pharisees who took God's word and added. And Jesus said, you are adding burdens that are not yours to add. And he rebuked them for it. So we have the Pharisees who took the truth of God's word and tried to add on to it. And then we have the Sadducees and that's really what I want to hit today because I see that more today in our culture than, than I do the pharisaical living. I, I see the Sadducees. So the Sadducees were so influenced in this period. So in this time, we have the Greek empire that, that takes over. We have Alexander the Great that goes and conquers and all these things are happening. And in the midst of that, Greek philosophy began to be very popular And so what the Sadducees did is they began to take away from the word of God and they begin to embrace what they saw in culture instead of the truth of the word of God and staying true to what the word of God says. You had one group that added to one group that took away and allowed culture and the environment around them to determine what they lived and how they represented the truth of the word of God so this happened in this time of silence. Now, what I love is that that what we said before, that while the world was waiting, God was working. And so let's put a couple of things in here. So it was in 333 BC that the Greek empire happens. And you say well why is that significant because all of the sudden all of the known world begin to go to a common language. And what happens in the middle of this is all of a sudden the word of God now remember what we said while the world is waiting God is what he's working. And so when everyone, God's people are saying, God, where are you? When are you going to redeem? When are we going to have our independence? When is our land going to be ours and these invading armies going to leave? When are you going to set up your kingdom and kick these people out? And it can be us and we'll rule and we'll reign. And God says, while you're waiting, I'm working. And, And all of a sudden, God's word is united in the Greek language in this time. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant is translated into Greek to where not only, now think about it, this is something that all, unless you're a Jewish believer, then uh, you, you, will, you will appreciate this, but not like us Gentiles, because this means right here, God is preparing for his son, that it's not just one people group, but that all would know his plan of redemption from Genesis to Revelation, while the world is waiting, God is working. The world begins to unite in this common language, the Greek, Greek language. And so God's word before being known by only the Jewish people now becomes available to be read, to be, to be uh, received by people all over the known world. And then some interesting things happen. I want you to think about this from the moment that God chooses to send Jesus. The moment that God chooses to send Jesus. So in 143 BC, by this time it's a Syrian king, the Syrians had invaded Israel, and so the Jewish people, they revolt. And there's this time with the Maccabees. You can look this up. The Maccabees, they they revolt against the Syrians. And so finally, the Jewish people, God's people, they have their independence. They have their kingdom. In 143 BC, right here. And yet, did God choose to to send his son for that time period? No, he didn't. And this is somewhat short-lived. At 63 BC, the Roman Empire had begun moving in. And at 63 BC, they did what the Roman Empire would do. They came to the border of your country and they said, hey, we have a great deal for you. You can either be slaughtered or you can let us set up our government here and we'll rule. And so in 63 BC, Israel is annexed by the Roman Empire. And this period, now think about this from from their perspective. All of the time, they're looking for a Messiah. All of the time, they're looking saying, God, when are you going to set this up? When is your kingdom going to be established? What, what, do they, what do they see it through? What is the filter that they saw it through? They saw it through an earthly kingdom. They saw it through this militant answer, this political force. And God said, no, 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 no. You, you're, you're looking at a view that's microscopic, and I, I'm looking up here. I have something so much bigger in mind and whether or not you you, you look at these empires and they're going to go away. They're going to fade away. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I always will be. What is he doing in the middle of this? So in the silence, we learn that while the world's waiting, God is working. The second thing that we learn is that his plans are threaded through uncertain times. And so where God's people may have looked at this and said, God, why? Why didn't you send your Messiah? We thought it was this time. We thought we've established the kingdom and now the Romans are here and they're bigger and they're badder than anything we've ever seen. And it's in that moment that he sends Jesus. But not only that, it's in that moment that the Romans began building what they're most famous for. They began building roads. What is God doing? In the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the silence, he is preparing the world for the gospel to go forth like never before. We have a common language where the world can know and hear and understand and read the truth of the word of God. And we have roads, travel like never before. The gospel can go and go quicker and go further than it's ever gone before. And yet in the midst of silence, and and we're at a very similar period right now. Think about this. The book of Revelation has ended, and what are we doing? We are looking, saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're saying, Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. And we look around, and we see division, and we see turmoil, and we see a a culture that is trying its best, but will ultimately fail if it is not led from a foundation of the truth of the Word of God. And so we're in that place where we're, 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 we're grieving and we're lamenting as believers should for the brokenness that we see around us. And we hear the ache of, our, of our, the people around us and the world around us going, God, unless you come, this isn't gonna get fixed. We're groaning for redemption. The word of God tells us that the whole earth, it groans for redemption that only comes through Jesus. But God's plans are threaded through uncertain times. want to remind you that the darkest times always end with the enlargement and success of the Great Commission. What is God doing? He is working. I love this quote. This is uh, from a book called The Intertestamental Period, which is how scholars refer to this 400 years. This quote by this writer of the the, book titled that, Charles uh, Celestad. He said, isn't it thought-provoking to recognize that a riotous and brutal political and historical climate brought the Prince of Peace into our human culture. A riotous and brutal political and historical climate brought the Prince of Peace into our human culture. Guys, these these are times that, that our hearts can be troubled. And it's vital that in these troubling times that we say, Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And as we're waiting and we're crying out for you to intervene and we're saying, God, I'll do what you called me to do. I'm gonna step into the places of brokenness that you called me to step into, that we do so not from a perspective that views him as distant and taking a break, but knowing that he is working like never before to fulfill his plan on this earth. And it is a plan of redemption. And so all of that to build to this place, Matthew chapter five, and we call it out of the silence because it's out of that place that Jesus steps into really what is his first sermon. Now, Matthew chapter four records Jesus going and he is, is baptized by John the Baptist, and then he begins to transition From John the Baptist's message, John the Baptist's message was a message of preparation saying, repent, change your minds. That word repent is is a it's Greek and it's metanoia. It is the changing of your minds. Change the way you think about what a Messiah looks like and what a Messiah is gonna do. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Matthew chapter four records Jesus calling his disciples and going around and carrying in this transitional moment of carrying John the Baptist's message saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we find him in Matthew chapter five where crowds are gathering, his disciples are there And he speaks his first sermon out of the silence after all the waiting. And what does he say? Does he rally them into a political fervor? Does he encourage them to go get everyone that they can? To get swords, begin training, Does he tell them to hit the gym? Rome is really strong. (laughs) No, what does he say? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Isn't it like God, for the first words that he says in the midst of this culture, that he just speaks the word blessed? Can you imagine God's people hearing that and and thinking, wait, 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 wait. You blessed? God God wants to bless? What, what What do you mean, bless? How can we be blessed in this environment? How can God's blessing be real when at any point I could be killed? If I offend a Roman, I'm a second-class citizen here. How can I be blessed in the midst of this environment? Because God's blessing is so different than man's. He opens his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed. The third thing I want us to see is blessed is about a kingdom position, not a worldly position, And this is something that we have to settle in our hearts and what it is to follow Jesus and to understand when he says blessed, it's so different than anything the world calls blessed, anything the world calls fortunate. You know, that word blessed, it comes from this Greek word and it just means fortunate or happy, a state or position one can be in. It also has this congratulatory tone. So when the Lord says it, He's saying, Congratulations, you are blessed. You're blessed when you're poor in spirit because yours is the kingdom of God. Now, think about how that that would contradict everything that they're looking for and everything that they expected the voice of God to say into their reality. He says, You're blessed. It's not a financial position. God's blessing is so much more than that. There are a lot of people in our, in our world that have finances. But when they share honestly and they share openly about what that means, it is not a definition of joy. It is not a definition of peace. God's blessing is so much more than that. God's blessing is not a relational position. If You're here and you're single and you're going, God, am I ever going to find someone? Am I ever going to be married? Am I ever going to be in love? Am I, is this going to happen for me? And you are questioning whether or not God's blessing can be on your life. I want you to hear me clearly. You are blessed it is not defined by your relational position it's not defined by your family position you may have a history where your family looks at you you know we have these sayings about the different ones in our family that families can be ashamed of and that that stigma can stay on you and stay with you Where you view yourselves from that lens saying, I can't be blessed. This is how my family sees me. The voice of Jesus says you're blessed. So what is our kingdom position? Is it a social position? Is it a position of acceptance, a position of influence in this world? We see that the secret to why Jesus could stand on that mountain and sit on that mountain and have crowds gathered around him is because he stood on a different mountain and he settled some things in his heart. Matthew chapter four, we find that Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil. And the word tells us, I want you to read this with me. This is Matthew chapter four, verse... it says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you will worship the Lord, your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. See, Jesus could say, you're blessed, and he could say that from that mountain. Because when he submitted his heart, and he submitted the will of his life to the Father, and it was faced with the temptations that surround him of kingdom position versus worldly position, and worldly position said, you could be admired by everyone, you could rule from this. He said, no. I'll worship the Lord only. And it was settled in his heart. Guys, I don't want your relationship to God to be one that's defined by church attendance and be looked at as just assimilation into coming to church and being around. You see, righteousness is not not something that you just attain by being around righteous people. Righteousness is attained by believing in your heart on the righteous one That's the only way there is not a way to heaven by assimilation It is that every single one of us We say Lord no matter what the cost you are My Lord you are my Savior and I believe in you not just that I wouldn't end up in hell but God, that my will in my life would be submitted to you. And it's by settling that that we're able to hear the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, blessed. And we're going to go through them all one by one. And we're going to look at them and we're going to know of what it means for our lives to be blessed by God. Not a worldly position but by a kingdom position would you bow your heads with me this morning I want to pray for for two groups of people I, I just feel like the Lord put it on my heart that there would be two groups that, that I want to address one is those that, that can resonate with that sense of, of God's silence And you may be in a a season of your life where you would say, God, I do not see you working. God, where are you? I feel distant from you and I don't know where you are. And if that's you, I want to pray for you today. And I want you to know, not just from my words and what we looked at and the dates that you saw, but know from the voice of God to your heart that he does not forsake and leave his children. And when we are waiting, he is working, whether we see it or recognize it or not. And I want to pray for you. The second group I want to pray for is those that have walked and said, "I, I just want to go to church. I feel good when I'm there. And you've never had a moment where you said, Jesus, I choose you. I believe in you. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that every single one of us should have a moment that stands out in our heart that we're able to say, this is the moment that I surrendered my life to Jesus. This is the moment that I gave my heart to him with no reservations. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to do something, bold. I just want you to lift your hands. I want to pray with you today. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, maybe you've attended church and you've been there a bunch, but it would look more like assimilation and not a moment of surrender that would define who Jesus is in your life. I want to pray with you. Lord, with these groups in front of us, God, I I thank you for the truth of your word that Lord, when we're waiting and it feels like silence, it feels like you're distant, that you are not distant, that you are there preparing and working on our behalf. God, I pray encouragement, Lord, even for the ones that maybe are single right now and are waiting Lord, would you encourage them with strength today, reminding them that they are blessed because you say they are blessed. That it's not defined by a relationship status. It's not defined by a social status it's not defined by how many friends and the activities of their lives. They are blessed because they are your children and you have called them blessed. And their hearts are surrendered to you. Lord, would you fill them with confidence and encouragement today? And Lord, I pray for those that that are responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that maybe have attended church and it's looked like assimilation. It's looked like any other club and activity that happens. Lord, as you convict their hearts, Lord, I pray. Lord, that they would see you and your posture towards them, arms open, welcoming them. So, Lord, right now we say, we believe in you, that you are God's son, that you died for our sins, and that God raised you from the dead, and that resurrection power lives and transforms our lives when we believe in you and so God we love you Jesus we thank you thank you for the way that you transform lives thank you that you are transforming lives today and we worship you we praise you for it in Jesus name amen 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 praise God praise God We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.